Today we start a new series entitled Fearless, and this particular message as we kick things off is entitled God is Faithful. How many of you can attest to God's faithfulness in your life, okay? And, um, you know, the last several months, I would guess there's probably been a moment for some of us that um, maybe you've experienced a little bit of anxiety or fear. Just throwing that out there, going out on a limb with that. Um, How many of you can attest to that? You've experienced that at some point in the midst of COVID. Okay, three of you. Awesome. I'm just going to close this message now with prayer. You guys are good to go. The three that raised your hand, I'll see you in the back. We can talk this over, okay? So personally, I've experienced it. I'm guessing you have as well. I think there's also a wondering what is the fall going to look like? Is there going to see things elevate or or ramp up? Um, What are the elections going to bring? You know, all of that stuff is swirling, and it can bring about an anxiousness or a worry or a concern. It can bring about fear. And so I wanted to walk through this particular series here for the next six weeks. I'll be preaching two messages this week and next. Then we'll have a guest speaker by the name of Philip Jensen, and he's also going to be sharing a bit of his testimony, and he's going to be speaking into this topic of fear. And then I'll preach again on the 23rd, and then Scott Larson from the Twin Lakes Bible Camp will be preaching. And uh, you think of all that they've walked through just to have Bible Camp and everything they were going through there, you're going to hear some testimony in that as well. And then Pastor Lance will close out this series on Labor Day weekend. So this will be six weeks long. We're going to address the topic of fear. Now, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, instead he's given us a spirit of power and love and self, uh, sorry, of sound mind <laughs> and self-control. Just throw that in there. That's one of the fruit. Okay, but um, addressing fear today is recognizing that there's going to be times we're susceptible to fear, but God calls us out of that. And the base of that is to understand that he is faithful And when you grasp that, when you understand that he's faithful, all the other pieces, if you will, sort of fall into place. And so I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 12. The cross-reference or the parallel passage to this would be Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus talks about not worrying. Now, I'm going to start in verse 22, but right before this particular uh, passage, Jesus actually gives a parable about a rich man who starts to store up for himself all kinds of treasure, so much so that he builds a storehouse for all the extra. And so his idea is, once I get all that stored up, I can kick back, I can relax, we're taken care of, we've got all our ducks in a row, and then Jesus says that very night his life would be taken. And you think, whoa, this guy tried to prepare, over-prepare, and even gain extra in his own kingdom, only for all of it to basically not matter because his life was taken. And that is the setup into which we get this passage today. So before we read, this is God's Word, and so let's take a moment to pray and ask for God to really speak to us at this time. Father, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you for your blessing and how you speak to us 
And Lord, in this message today, as I speak about your faithfulness, I ask God that you give me your words. I pray for your grace, Lord. Use me at this time and open our hearts to receive from you. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, starting in verse 22, here we go, Luke chapter 12. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink, and don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything that you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions... And give to those in need, and this will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes, and your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So as I break this passage down, there's basically two things I want to look at today. As we walk through this, you'll notice there's things that God is doing on His part. And then there's also a part that we play in this. So there's His part and there's our part. And I want to start with His. And uh, the first part on His end is that He tells us that He cares for us. Verse 28, Jesus says that God will certainly care for you. And notice the word certainly with that. It's not, well, God might care for you. I mean, He certainly will. And recognizing that, here's a few other verses that talk about God's care for us. Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 55, the Bible tells us, cast your burden on the Lord, and He will sustain you, and He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And lastly, 1 Peter 5 tells us to cast all our cares upon Him because He cares for you. God cares 
for you, that no matter what circumstance you're walking through, sometimes we can convince ourselves that if it's really rough and we're going through a very difficult time, we can think, well, God must not really care. That's what the enemy would want you to believe. But the Scriptures say God cares for you. It's very personal. It's very intimate and how God is involved in our lives. And that is the first thing we must understand on God's part is He says He will care for us. He cares for us. And when we walk through difficult things and the enemy starts to cause us to question whether or not God is really concerned about me, we start to ask ourselves questions like, why me? And perhaps you've asked that kind of question before when you've walked through something very difficult. But never let go of the fact that God truly cares for you. Another part that He plays in this is that He knows your need. He knows your need. Verse 30, Jesus says that your heavenly Father already knows your needs. He knows your needs. And the parallel passage in Matthew 6, Jesus states that He knows your needs before you even ask. God is all-knowing. He knows you intimately. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. So one thing that Jesus says is that these worries, these concerns, these cares of life... They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But we're not like that. We're God's children. When you are a believer, you enter into the family of God, and the Bible says your Father knows your needs. And the next thing that God does on His end is He provides. Verse 31, notice that Jesus says that God will give you everything that you need. Notice that that verse does not say, God will give you everything that you want. How many of you have ever wanted something and it never happened? Okay, yes. God will give you everything that you need. What you need, He knows best. He knows better than us. And Philippians 4 says that God will supply every need of ours according to His riches and glory in Jesus Christ. God will provide. So we're looking at things on His end. He cares for you. He knows your need. And we also know that He will provide. Now, this is where we start to get involved. Okay? This is our part, and the first thing that we can do is to stop worrying. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen, Amen. yes, stop worrying. In verse 29, Jesus says, don't worry about such things. So he's telling us, don't worry, so I think maybe we shouldn't worry. Don't worry about such things. 
How many of you have ever worried about something and then it never came to pass? Okay, a lot of hands on that one. You guys are getting the hang of this now. Okay, we can absolutely terrorize ourselves with worry and then whatever we're worrying about never actually happens. Jesus says, don't worry. I like this quote that says, turn your worry into worship and watch God turn your battles into blessing. And there's something about this aspect of our part when we say, I'm going to stop worrying. There's a certain point that you have to trust that God is actually going to do his part. Does God really care for me? You have to settle that question. Does God really know my needs? Does God really provide? You have to settle that when you say, I'm not going to worry about this. There's a trust in that. And we engage in worship when we trust the Lord. So turn your worry into worship and watch God turn your battles into blessing. The next thing that we can do is to seek God's kingdom. Verse 31, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. There's a setting apart of this, that we seek His kingdom first and foremost. The parallel passage, Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And so as we seek first His kingdom, that's the top priority is that we seek Him. Psalm 34 says that lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So we seek, we lean in, we go, God, I want to put you first in my life, and I trust that as I'm doing that and I'm putting your kingdom first, I trust you're going to provide for me every step of the way. Another part that we can play in this is that we surrender our fear. Verse 32, Jesus flat out says, don't be afraid. But if we're going to not fear, we have to surrender that to him and say, Lord, I need you to take this from me. Because we have a tendency to carry it with us. And as we do so, it causes us to become ineffective in the kingdom. We're paralyzed. It's like we're, we're, we've got so caught up in fear that we miss the kingdom things that can happen right now. And I think it's interesting that as Jesus walks them through that, he then finishes this whole thing by saying, sell your possessions and give to those in need. He just gave the, the parable about the rich man who stored up all this stuff and then he passes away. Jesus finishes this whole thing about fear and worrying and anxiety. And he says, so sell it all and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And so the last part that we can do in response today is focus on storing heavenly treasure. When I mentioned that in heaven there are purses that never get old or develop holes, how many ladies in the room would appreciate that? 
Yeah, okay, yeah. They never get old. They never wear out. Treasure that can't be stolen. Treasure that cannot be destroyed by rust or by moth. There's a storing up of these treasures. And Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. When you fear, you allow your treasure to become earthly. If we're so focused on earthly things, when the earthly things start to crumble, fear will seize us. But if we're focused on heavenly things, recognizing that life is so much more than what's going on here, there is a greater thing that God wants to do. And when we do that, it's like we don't have time to fear. There's things to be done. There's kingdom work to do. There's someone I know that needs to know Jesus before it's too late. When you start to look at those things, fear, it's just like, I don't have time to do that. I have to serve. That's what God has called me to do is to be a part of His kingdom. And as you do, you're storing up heavenly treasure. The thing about our part, whether it's the stop worrying whether it's we seek first God's kingdom, whether it's us surrendering our fear or storing up heavenly treasure, all of those things require faith. You have to engage in faith in order to do these things. You have to trust, again, God's going to do his part, and I'll just focus on what I can do. And when, when we step out in faith, that is where we learn that God is truly faithful. Last week, Josh Denhart talked about the difference between gnosis and epinosis. And this gnosis, the things that we know, we know God is faithful. We know that He cares for us. We know that He knows our needs. We know that He provides. But then you actually apply it, and then you begin to experience his faithfulness. So as you start to apply these things, you actually you see God show up in ways that maybe you've never experienced before. You can say God is faithful, but there were hands that were lifted at the beginning that said, I know I've experienced God's faithfulness. And when that happens, those stones that you're stepping on, that foundation of your faith journey... It's like a bedrock where you can trust him more and more because of how faithful he is and how he shows up. You can trust him. In closing today, I want to share with you just a couple of stories. Something very, very interesting I stumbled upon this last week is a testimony of a man named Harrison O'Kinney. Nigerian man. He's... Uh, on this ship called the Jascon 4. Now, that's not the one he was on, but that's very similar, what you see on the screen. He was a vessel chef, and he was out on the ocean for two weeks, and they're off the coast about 20 miles in the Gulf of Guinea. And there's a storm that picks up, and the waves are tossing and beating against this boat, and it's getting pretty hectic and serious. And he is now in the restroom. And all of a sudden, the boat 
flips over. And here he is in this room, and when you experience that and you know you're out on open water, you're probably a little bit panicked. And I'd love to be able to tell you, then all of a sudden that thing flipped back over, but it, it did not. And instead, as this ship is sinking into the ocean, all of a sudden, could you imagine being in this bathroom when all of a sudden you hit the ocean floor? And you're in this room, water in this room with you, your air pocket, you're able to get some air, but you don't know how long that will last. How many of you would maybe be a little fearful at that point? <laughs> okay? Imagine going, I need more air, and so in the pitch black, I'm going to have to swim with this thing upside down and get to another room of the ship where I can get more air. This is intense. And as he gets to this other room, the, they sent in some divers, emergency divers, to see if anyone would happen to be alive. And as they, as they knock on the, the boat, their, their ability to hear him, they weren't able to. And so they leave. Now imagine the despair. And they take off. And to some degree, this man is like a modern-day Jonah because he was in this thing for three days. And they sent some divers back to pull bodies out of the wreckage. So imagine with me if you're a diver and you do this for a living, if one day you go to reach for someone and they're reaching back and they grab on, it shocked the diver to find out that Harrison was still alive, so much so that he had him drink water in front of him just to prove that he was real. And there's video footage of this. This guy's drinking his water, and they're trying to get his bearings, and where are you at? Are you okay? And the radio's going back and forth between where they're at and the ship up above, and they're just floored that he's one of the 12 people that were in this boat. He is the only one that's alive. And they put him in a compression chamber. I mean, if you're 100 feet below in the water, there's compression issues. And so they put him in a chamber for like another two and a half days. And when they get him out, his vitals are completely fine. This guy is a walking, talking miracle. This guy has a wife. News had gotten back about this shipwreck, and one of his brothers said, I don't think I'm going to tell his wife yet. I'm just going to see what happens here. And he was praying that it would be like Jonah, that God could somehow save him in the depths of the sea. And you just think you walk through something like that, that's quite a testimony of God's faithfulness. And if you get our midweek emails, I'm going to actually send out this week 
his testimony that he gives and um, also one of the passages that he talks about. I think it's interesting that while the waves were crashing against the boat, it hadn't flipped yet, but there was some troubling sea, that he goes into his room and he reads Psalm 54. And I just want to take a second to read to you just a couple of verses from that psalm. The Bible says, Come with great power, O God, and rescue me. Defend me with your might. Listen to my prayer, O God. Pay attention to my plea. But God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. Now imagine, you're reading that passage, then you go into the restroom, and this thing is flipped over and sinking. One thing I know about God's faithfulness is that at times when we feel like life's a little bit flipped over and maybe even sinking, is that one thing about God is He can give a word to you in the midst of the storm. And it allows for you to know that He cares, that He knows your need, and that He will provide. How many of you have ever had God give you a word when you are maybe in some rough sea? And in this experience, Harrison got that word from Psalm 54. One thing that this man testifies about is that he was calm and he was comfortable while he was in the ocean in this room. He was calm. And the reason why, he said, he had made up his mind he was not going to be afraid whether he lived or he died. When I get back to that, there's our part to play in this. The very first point is, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust that God has my interest at heart and my needs at heart. And so I'm going to stop worrying. And this guy in the bottom of the ocean resolved it in his spirit, I'm not going to be afraid. It sort of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? So he made up his mind. And what's so cool about this, he's done with the compression chamber. His vitals are great. And people are asking him, who are you? And his response is, you can't ask me. Ask God. I mean, even those times when God shows up and he's faithful, we're just so blown away, aren't we? And it's not about us. It's all about what God did on his end. Powerful stuff. The next story I want to share with you is a little more personal on my end. And when I was getting ready to graduate from college, I moved uh, to Minnesota. Felt like the Lord had called me into ministry. And um, part of that decision was I was going to have to raise support from friends and family members to be able to make ends meet. That's the agreement we had. There really wasn't a paycheck, so to speak, on their end that they could commit to. 
But uh, at that point, I felt the Lord was telling me to do it. And so my budget that year was roughly $12,000. And I would love to stand here and tell you that we just sailed right through that, and like month one, we were done. I didn't have to worry about it the rest of the year. But here's the thing. This was quite a learning experience for me, and about halfway through that learning experience where you're learning to pinch pennies and try to make ends meet as best you can, and by the grace of God, your tiny little Ford Focus can ski across the Minnesota ice, and you're not breaking down. And if you are breaking down, you're coasting right into the Ford dealership when your car just stops. And do you have a loaner? Because I want to get going, you know. And I mean, just God's provision was all over that. But there was a moment when the income stopped. And the expenses did not. And personally, I felt embarrassed. Because I was like, God, I'm where you want me to be. You called me to leave my home area to come to this place. And I mean, scratch by. And I'm embarrassed. I'm going to have to tell people I had to stop because it wasn't coming in, the, the support that was necessary. And I, I think this is God's grace because I was probably kind of whiny in my prayer, and, but in God's grace, He gives me a peace that I cannot describe to you. Earlier before that prayer, Brady had actually sent me the Matthew 6 passage about not worrying, and maybe you've had somebody do that to you, and there's a part of you that's like, yeah, yeah, you know, like, I get it, I'm not supposed to worry you know, but the reality of it is God meets us in that moment, even maybe when our spirit or our posture is not the best. God in his grace still gave me peace. And so whenever support would come in, they would give you cards on your desk. And it said, you know, the name of the person, the amount, their address, things like that, so you could follow up, thank them, and kind of know where you were at as far as any kind of paycheck. Well, so um, the next morning, I get to my desk that happens to have support cards. And it was several hundred dollars that came in for support. And for me, it was one of the first times in my life that I went from that knowing in my head to truly knowing through experience that God is faithful. He does provide. We may not always get it right. We still worry, right? We don't always seek the kingdom. We're still fearful. And we're not always focused on investing in the kingdom, but God still provides in His grace. Well, in the midst of this season, and I'm telling you, when you're trying to make ends meet, this was quite a moment for me that somebody after church one day handed me a $100 bill and kind of just said, you know, bless you, if you will. And that was like, oh, man, like, and a little Ford Focus, that's like two tanks of gas at least, you know, if not three. This was quite a gift that was given to me. God provides. He provides for our needs. And I'm at this church, remember, and I have this $100 now, 
And I feel like the Lord tells me, I want you to put the whole thing in the offering today. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Like, I mean, this will put gas in the car, Lord. Don't you understand? Yeah, of course he does. But in the midst of that, I want to tell you guys that when God has you give in his kingdom, it's important to do it. And you're like, I don't know how all that adds up. And when I say give in the kingdom, I'm not just saying you're tithing offering. I'm saying anything that advances his kingdom. When God asks you to do it, do it. Even if it doesn't seem to add up in your mind. Part of this story is it's not like after the service, I'm like somebody walked up to me and I got another $100. It didn't go like that. Hey, it's not like somebody gave me $1,000. I mean, that's kind of the story. I gave the $100, but I can tell you this. God was still faithful to provide what I needed as I continued to do ministry. God is faithful. Amen? All right, let's go ahead and pray together as we close. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. Lord, and in your grace, you minister to us. And Lord, as you care for us, as you know our needs, you provide for our needs. And Lord, help us to be people that, that take worry and just set it aside, say, I'm going to trust. And Lord, help us to seek you first. Help us, Father, to surrender any fear that we might have and also to engage in the kingdom. When we're so focused on our own needs, we, we have a tendency to hoard. But help us not to be like this rich man that Jesus described and we build up all this stuff in our own kingdom, but Lord, help us to apply how Jesus ended this passage and to serve in your kingdom and move from a why me mentality to a God use me mentality. And Lord, in your faithfulness, you sent your son, Jesus, to die on a cross to pay the penalty and the price for our sin. And we thank you for this great sacrifice of his life and death that as he was crucified on a cross, we can have the forgiveness of sin because of his shed blood. But we must respond to that gift. And if there's someone listening right now that would desire to receive Christ into their life and you recognize your need for him, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me just simply say, Jesus, today I surrender. And I ask for forgiveness of my sin. Today I recognize my need for Jesus. And so I ask him to come. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. And help me to live for you 
from this day forward. Change me, make me a new person. Thank you for this gift of salvation. This gift that is received by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for your care, for how intimately you know us, and how you provide because of your faithfulness. And we lift this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.